Welcome to The Real Enneagram, A Spiritual Quest, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. Join us as we experience the vital teachings of Enneagram expert Dr. Joseph Howell, clinical psychologist and author of Becoming Conscious, The Enneagram's Forgotten Passageway. Relax as you are taken beyond personality typing to The Real Enneagram, The Spiritual Development of the Soul. Welcome back to a podcast that's entitled The Real Enneagram. A spiritual quest. Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, this week we have Dr. Joseph Howell and myself, Erica Jobes, and uh, we want to welcome all of our listeners that if you have any questions or comments about our podcast, to please feel free, even during this podcast, to send emails to us at therealenneagram at gmail.com, and we will read those and, and address them as we get them as best we can, because uh, we get quite a few. And uh, today, we want to build a little bit on last week's podcast. We attempted to answer a question that had come in and found ourselves talking about the holy ideas. And so we've received some questions about that and wanted just to kind of return to the whole idea of holy ideas. So Dr. Howell, can you give us a little kind of intro to the holy ideas? Well, the holy ideas um, are an enneagram in and to themselves. They were created by a a Bolivian mystic whose name is Oscar Achazo. He taught the enneagram and other spiritual studies at the Eureka Institute, first in Chile, South America, and then in North America. Mr. Achazo lives now on the island of Hawaii and um, is still involved with the Eureka Institute, which has around 3,000 members worldwide and has its own spiritual teachings that incorporate the Enneagram and much of the Enneagram's truths. Um, Achazo is the one accredited with um, actually beginning and naming the Enneagram of Personality, which means he named the nine egotypes which are being taught around the world now. And he first taught them to his students in Chile at the Eureka Institute in the 60s and early 70s. One of those students was Claudio Nirano, who is a Chilean psychiatrist who came to the United States and taught uh, at the Esalen Institute near Berkeley, California. And one of his groups was a SAT group, meaning Seeker After Truth. And in that early group at Berkeley, um, about 12 to 15 young people sat and listened to the uh, Enneagram of Personality as it was taught to Claudio Narano by uh, Oscar Achazo at the Eureka Institute in Chile. So it came from South America to the United States via uh, Claudio Narano, who is still teaching, by the way and will be speaking at the uh, 
International Enneagram Association Conference in Oakland, California, this July. So look that up. You may want to join that wonderful event. The Holy Ideas, as uh, written by Oscar Echazo, are uh, based on the uh, early Greek philosophers' ideas, which have to do with the um, essentials of what it means to be a human that is created by the divine, a human who reflects divine qualities. And these divine qualities, the essential ones, there are only nine of them. And these nine are called the holy ideas. They're not reducible. You can't really reduce something like the word truth, something like the word will. Those are not made of separate components. They have different takes and different interpretations and slants, but they are not made up of two or three or four different ideas. Truth is truth. And for example, those nine non-reducible holy ideas are the ideas, one of which we were born exhibiting and expressing as very young children. We were attached to that idea. We lived that idea. That was our expression of the divine. We knew no other way to be. We were pure in that expression. Then the ego came, which really shut it down. And the ego had to come because, as I've said on previous podcasts, there's no way that the pure, unconditioned soul child can exist in this world because it is so pure and so next to the divine that it is struck down almost immediately. It is um, told that it's not okay. It is repudiated. It is made fun of. It is bullied. And sometimes it is crucified. Okay. So that's a great uh, introduction back into holy ideas. So we want to really make this concrete and kind of give some examples about that. So would you mind telling us about maybe the ego type that you identify with and how you've experienced your holy idea? I certainly will. The ego type that I identified with um, is the ego type that's called type 6. And the ego type six is an ego that's basically one uh, of fear. There are three basic ones on the Enneagram of fear. The five, the six, and the seven. The six has a different sort of slant on fear. Whereas the five is afraid of intrusion, invasion, and people stealing what is theirs, especially in the realm of knowledge. And where the seven is afraid of deprivation and of misery and pain, the six is afraid of being excluded, being, um, again, bullied, 
exterminated, annihilated, scapegoated, made fun of, and otherwise castigated. This stems from a feeling within the ego of the six that something is radically wrong and that they must be protected by an authority figure if they are to survive in this very demanding and very uh, cruel world. So most sixes, especially early in life, at the early onset of the ego, look for protection wherever they are. And that can be in the form of a of an alpha person of their pack, a sibling, a parent. Then later, um, someone, a friend they think is particularly strong who has their back. Later, it can be a boss or a friend who they go to for protection in times that are uncertain. Especially a boss, because a boss has the livelihood of the six um, as a prominent feature of wanting to make sure the six is taken care of. And sixes are notoriously, uh, their egos are notoriously fearful that their livelihoods are going to be taken away from them. They're afraid of deviance, afraid that the flaw within them is what will be found out and therefore they will be made fun of, castigated, thrown out, and maybe even abused because of that. Okay. So as a as identifying as an ego type 6, yes. what is your holy idea? The holy idea is actually the opposite of fearful um fear of deviance and the avoidance of being um different uh the avoidance of being defective. Um it is holy strength and holy faith. This is powerful information for anyone who identifies with the ego six. I don't care how good you are in an ego six. If you're still in ego, you are susceptible to having fear rule you at any time. Only when one transfers from primary groundedness in ego to primary groundedness at essence or the soul child or the soul can they actually transcend the paralyzing fear of their ego okay this is good so you know we've had questions about why not just be a really healthy six and you're saying that even when you are the healthiest six you can be, you can still experience and that fear that the ego is so known for. Mm-hmm. So it's your holy idea that does what? It's actually a bridge. Like you can imagine a, a wonderful footbridge that leads from one side of a, of a chasm to the next, to the other safe side. And the bridge gets you there. Well, my bridge is made of stones that say holy strength and holy faith. And each one of those stones assure me 
that faith and strength are actually my true nature. And if I can make the trip from ego six to my soul child at nine, I will remember and reconnect with how I used to live when I got to this planet. Which was how? What did that look like for you? In strength and faith. I never doubted how strong I was. If I needed to climb a tree, I did. If I needed to take chances, I did. If I needed to fly out of a swing, I remember, you know, thinking, I can fly if I want to. So I tied a towel around my neck like all Superman little boys do. I guess I was four. Jumped out of the swing and flew. And I remember thinking, I am flying now. Um, Of course, I hit the ground and... (laughs) The aftermath isn't pleasant, but the that didn't matter. What stood out to me wasn't that I hit the ground and, oh, I was hurt and this didn't work. What mattered is I had three or four seconds of flight. <laughs> and that was exhilarating, and that was my true nature. Also faith, the trust that what is needed and who is needed will be there in the absence of what I think should be there. And that's the way I lived. I I remember uh, uh, envying that other kids had dogs. Well, there was a a dog that lived next door. One day it walked over and it became our dog. And the people who owned the dog gave it to us because they said, this is actually your dog. Well, I I was really of the mind because I was four. I was really of the mind that what we need comes to us. I I didn't know any other way. And I lived that way in expectancy and in uh, joy of having the strength I needed and having the faith I needed that everything was good. It was going to work out, even if there were delays or even if I maybe did hit the ground after I flew. That's a wonderful way to live, but you can't survive in its purity on this planet. There were there were chinks in my armor, and it's it's of a father who says, "You can't you can't jump out of the swing anymore." Uh, it's of a mother who says, "You can't get other children to jump out of the swing anymore because you'll they'll break their collarbone, like happened to my friend Freddie." Um, so. My idealized aspects of life um, were were tempered, and I had to redo how I moved in the world. So by five or six, especially when school teachers tell you you can't do exactly what you want to do, and when they say you're not okay, you begin to accommodate your behavior to your environment if you want to make it. And most people want to make it. They don't want backlash and they don't want constant criticism and they don't want constant punishment. Uh, So something else comes to you to be. And for every young soul child nine, the appropriate ego covering is that of six. Be wary of people. Be wary 
of anything that can hurt you, that can shut you down, that can make you suffer, that can exclude you, that can shame you. And surround yourself with protection and security so none of those bad things will happen to you anymore. Well, I wish I had a video camera uh, videoing this talk because when you were talking about um, your essence at the ego type mind and flying out of the swing and having those three seconds of flight, your entire countenance changed as it is now as you're remembering it. You're having you're you're doing self remembering. And your whole countenance changed, and then you put those chinks in your armor, and then that furrowed brow came back, and you begin to discuss the six. And for a lot of people, they say, well, how do I know, you know, what is my ego type and where is my essence? And that's a lot of the way you know, because when you're living out of essence, it's a completely different feeling uh, than the feeling of ego, which often is frenzied for an ego type six, anxious, and on guard. Yes. Okay. Paranoid, even. And its worst um, unhealthy and unconscious manifestations, the six is so hyper vigilant and on guard that it there is the some clinical paranoia going on there. The world is not a safe place, and so uh, sixes tend to project onto others what their motives may be, it's sort of like to anticipate. If the worst does happen, if that person is up to no good, what am I going to do? It's sort of making a plan B for if the worst happens. So uh, unhealthy sixes are always making plan Bs because they don't trust anyone. Anyone could subvert them, turn them in, betray them, or I should say us. Um, And therefore, you're continually scanning the environment for, for traitors. So in your adult life, in, you know, experiencing the ego type six, because you're never not that ego type, right? I mean, you're always there yeah. at some yeah. place. What does that look like for you? I mean, how do you, when is it in your, I know you've, you've been, you've had suffering, you've yeah. had some things happen, happen yeah. to you. What, um, what did it look like for you uh, being an ego type six to live out of your essence as opposed to hitting that spiral of disintegration? Well, I think um, I think one of the um, biggest wake-up calls that, that I had was uh, the authority figure who I chose to protect me uh, actually did the opposite. And I was in my 30s at the time, and uh, that authority figure ended up actually making some decisions that um, that um, changed my career. And at the point that it occurred, I thought that it was a terrible betrayal. But as truth occurred, it ended up being my avenue out of a of of a situation where I was had a glass ceiling and couldn't progress, which I was kind of happy with because I was protected. It shoved me out from under that glass ceiling, and though I was disappointed in that authority figure, I am forever grateful to that authority figure for having sort of kicked me out of the nest, so to speak. Because it was then and only then 
that I began to reach deeply into who my true self was and to have um, a wife and two small children at the time knowing that I was the one who had to take care of them I reached in deeply to find out who I was made of what I was made of and did I have what it took to do what my family needed for me to do um, in the absence of somebody who I had uh, made a silent contract with that that person never signed. It was just what I assumed was our contract. Uh, when that happened, um, I then had to learn how to believe in myself. And uh, this is what made the Enneagram come alive for me because I knew the rudiments of the Enneagram in my 30s, but I had not hit the critical mass of suffering that it really took for me to make a shift from ego to my soul, my soul child. And once I reached into the soul, understood that it was made of great strengths, great courage, the virtue of courage, for a six is right there, uh, unbeknownst to many sixes who are hypnotized by their ego fear. Uh, courage is is a tremendous uh, virtue of six. I discovered all that, and as a result, came into my own as a human being, who could stand on his own without the protection of the security of an alpha figure who I had fantasized would always take care of me. And you could do that and also feel peaceful. Absolutely, because in the soul child, I returned to exactly who I was. Everything's going to be all right. I'll have everything I need. I can have fun. I can relax. I can be peaceful. I can be in my soul. And then after I did that, my ego did everything it could to help my soul instead of fight my soul and doing it the way it wanted to do it, which was to find another alpha figure to take care of me. Right. Do you experience now times where you fall back into that sickness of fear and anxiety? Does that, does that ever go away? I think that's a human thing. And um, I know some people in Enneagram and consciousness studies who who believe that they are totally out of the ego realm. And I respect them, and, and I, I certainly feel that it is very possible for that to be true of them. Uh, for myself, uh, the human factor is just very, very much there. And um, there are regressions. Uh, uh, Enneagram studies tell us about shock points, and... Shock points um, knock the wind out of us. And we can use them to regress or we can use the shock points to send us into another higher realm of consciousness. But a shock point wouldn't be a shock point unless it shocked us. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have any fears, we're not shocked. <laughs> so I'm here to say that I've had some shock points. And having lost... Uh, uh, to illness and uh, disease, one of 
uh, our own children has been a very, very difficult thing in our lives. But that shock point was met by me and my wife with um, uh, a way to uh, go to a higher state of consciousness, a higher state of understanding the connection of all things and what this loss actually means and uh, how we are to proceed because of it. And it pointed to our deepening ourselves in our soul and in our soul child and living much more so from that point than the fear point of the ego of the six. How did your holy idea of holy faith work for you in that situation? Tremendously because um, one must believe if one is at all in any way uh, a person who uh, is attuned to the interconnection of everything, that even loss is something that is, um, for want of a, of, a, of, a, of a more neutral word, it is redeemable. Um, that um, even loss is something that uh, can be resolved, can be uh, made sense of in some way, regardless of how our ego feels the loss to be senseless or devastating. The soul has a different idea about what loss is about. And um, uh, to make a long story short, I didn't figure I would say this today, but... um, this brings me to the topic that uh, uh, the, 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 what the soul knows is very important because the soul knows the truth. And uh, we in ego don't look at the soul's truth. Uh, we spend very little time in the soul because we're, we're covering up or we've got an agenda or we have an ego narrative that we're trying to fulfill. The soul does none of that. The soul understands grief. The soul understands loss. The soul understands the much bigger picture. And over these years I've written a book about the understanding of the soul and for people to uh, be guided into how to know their own soul. So this book is coming out in the fall through Crossroad Publishing. And the name of it is Know Your Soul, Journeying uh, with the Inner Enneagram to Inner and Outer Peace. And um, I believe it will be a contribution to this area of research and um, understanding uh, about the importance of uh, the holy idea and how it does bring us back to living once again more primarily in the soul than the ego. That's great. So as an ego type six with the, the holy idea of holy faith and holy strength. Okay. Those two, do you find yourself at all um, thinking about that or living that out on a daily basis? Really every day, because remember that's how I and all Ego type sixes came to earth. We were expressions of holy faith and holy strength. So the longer I am rooted in my soul, 
the longer I am rooted in holy strength and holy faith. And I practice um, a religion. I am a, a Christian, and I belong to the Episcopalian Church. My wife and I do. And um, but um, uh, faith is not uh, exclusive to any kind of organized religion. Uh, uh, faith is a much larger umbrella than any kind of organized uh, religious movement Um, faith is the belief in that which is unseen faith is the belief in a higher power faith is the acknowledgement that we in and of ourselves do not have all of the answers or all of the ability but that those answers and abilities can be received if we believe they can that's powerful stuff and how is that how does that come out or exhibited in the healthy part of the ego type 9 the ego nine or the soul child? Well, your your soul child of the your essence nine. I'm sorry. The essence nine doesn't know anything but the the living through complete relinquishment and surrender to faith and to the strength that one was born with. It would be like um, being born with eyes but not seeing out of one's eyes. It doesn't occur to one not to see out of one's eyes. But the ego does blind us. But once the blinders are taken off, we can see out of those first eyes again, the eyes that we were born with. And that's the antidote to the suffering of the six. It is. I mean, the suffering of the six is caused by fear, terror, total anxiety, hypervigilance, paranoia, and projection onto other people of what you think they're thinking and what they can do to you. And at the nine, it's the opposite of that. It's acceptance. It's surrender at the, at the healthy nine. It's unconditional love. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Howe, for sure. giving us a little bit more uh, information about the holy ideas, especially related to the ego type six. And again, just want to mention, if you are interested in going deeper with this information about the Enneagram, you can visit our website at theicb.org and see where we have our training and the dates and get more information about that. Yes, I, I, um, we have about, oh, I think 45 or 50 students in uh, the uh, Institute for Conscious Being School. And uh, this is in-depth training you the podcasts are very uh indicative the, of the type of conversation and training that we have but we also have a staff who helps me teach these truths and uh it's only 3 weekends a year uh for 2 years plus the homework in between and we have had graduates from all over the United States from some foreign countries and uh, uh, we hold the training of all places in Alabama, uh, but it is a wonderful conference center called Camp McDowell, which is a state-of-the-art conference center not far from a good fly-in place, which is Birmingham, Alabama. And we teach experientially. We do not teach just academically. Uh, everyone participates uh, 
We have a staff of people who've been trained by other Enneagram teachers such as Richard Rohr and, and, and others in his living school that are on our faculty. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, these people who have graduated from these types of trainings are teaching here at the Institute for Conscious Being. So if there are people out there who do want uh, this in-depth training and a certification in it, we would love to receive your application. Thank you, Dr. Howell. And we invite you to come back next week and listen to us again at The Real Enneagram. A spiritual quest. Thank you for being with us today. Check out our website at www.theicb.org. That's T-H-E-I-C-B dot O-R-G. If you have questions you would like to have answered on this podcast, just email us at the address on our website, theicb.org, under Contacts. And if you would like to attend one of the conferences or other events of the Institute for Conscious Being, you will find these presentations on our website under Events.